Morning. So, it's Lent. Week two of Lent, where we're thinking about giving up for the sake of something else. But sometimes we're never quite sure what that sake is, whether it's our waistlines or whether it's just pure determination. But here we are, we battle on. And we've got this lovely story of Abraham and Sarah getting their new names, Abraham and Sarah from Sari. A new beginning. And we look back at this story having sung, Father Abraham and many sons, many sons at Father. Anyone around in the 80s where that was big? Yes. Never quite understood it, but we knew somewhere, somewhere that we were a son of Abraham in a dress. It's famous, famous, isn't it? We all know the story. And it wasn't until we read it, preparing for this, that you realise that Abraham has promised a family. Sorry, can't have children. So they keep going. And then she says, look, just sleep with my, my maidservant because she'll give you a son. I can't do it. And God's promised it, so let's just make it happen. So Hagar has Ishmael. When Ishmael goes, so then, then they squabble. And then Hagar sent away with Ishmael, and she calls him good names in verse 15 of 16. So Hagar gave Abraham a son, and Abraham named him Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. So at that point, Abraham is still living with this promise. You'll be the father of many nations, and you'll be a blessing to many people. That's the promise he's living under. He's 86, and he's already tried to cheat it once. We pick up our reading, he's 99. He's 99. That to me was getting maths right. That's 13 years. That's 13 years of living with a promise that doesn't come. That's 13 years having already tried to make it happen yourself already once. That's 13 years. That's hopeless, isn't it? He's 99. It's not like 13 years and you're still 40. He's 99. It's not happening. Where's the hope? Where's the reality? So in his day-to-day life, what does he think of God? If someone said, is God with you, what would he say? What does Sarah think of God? What does she think of herself? It's easy for us looking back. In a way, we read Exodus 3, 6. Well, God comes to Moses and he says, I am the God of your father, of Abraham, of Isaac. I'm going to say it by heart before I find it in the Bible. Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. Let's find it. Exodus 3, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. That's what we know. And so we look back as if those 13 years were like three months. Because we know what happens. And then it's seen in Matthew 22:32, where Jesus says, God isn't God of the dead. 
He's the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. He's the God of the living. So not only is Abraham considered to us, he's alive. He's alive with God. And we're going to go join him. He is alive with God, and he is the father of this, of us, of the whole Jewish and Christian faith. And some would argue the Islamic faith and the Judaic faith as well. He is the father of many nations, but in these 13 years, what is he thinking? Where is his God to him? What's Sarah thinking? Have they got a faraway God? A God who says something and then takes it away. Maybe they've got a God who's a failure God. He says, I'll do this, and then just fails. Maybe they've got an angry God. They think God's angry with them. He promised and then he didn't do it. Maybe he's angry. Looking into their story, from here we see that they've not got an angry God. They've got a God who's waiting for their faith to grow. A God who's there going, I'm still here. And I'm still going to do it. And it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be more awesome because of these 12, 13 years. Keep strong, keep strong. But they can't see that. All they see is where they are. What's God saying to them? What's God saying to Abraham in our reading? I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. I'm going to make a promise with you. Notice there's still no Isaac at this point. So we've got Abraham. For 13 years, nothing. No son, no promise. 99. And God says, can I make a promise with you? Will you come in and be part of a promise system with me, a covenant system, where what I do affects you and what you do affects me? I will. Your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant in verse 9. And all your descendants have this continual responsibility. But what will God do? This is my covenant with you in verse 3. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing you. And you'll be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. Which is what Abraham actually sounds like. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and your kings will be among them. And we think it's weird that Sarah laughs. But she laughed 13 years before this. What does she do now? Does she weep? Maybe she just weeps. God comes into this misery, this desert place, this long desert, with I will make you a promise. And my promise has not changed, actually, since before. You will be the father of many nations. Recap. Ishmael was 13 years ago. He's 99. Huh? His wife is just as old. I think you could probably measure his hope with a pin. Just where? Humanly speaking, where is the hope? There's no great big rainbow. Nothing. And yet, 
Abraham takes this space and goes, yeah, all right then. I'll give you another shot. Or I'll carry on giving you a shot. Whatever it do- he says, we get, he enters into covenant with God. He lets his name be changed. And he owns that promise. I will be the father of nations. And my name is Abraham. And I'm 99. And I have no kids by my wife. In the eyes of God, this is a beginning. But in the eyes of Abraham, this is like an end. You promised it, and you haven't done it. And you've got the cheek to promise it again and make me change my name. He is now walking around called father of many nations with no kids. That hurts. That hurts, it really hurts. And it's on top of 13 years of hurt. What does he think of God? Is he his loving father who answers his every need from his great riches in heaven? No! Who's the God who leaves him dangling? Does that mean that God is cruel? No. Because he is the father of many nations. He's the God of truth. Absolute truth and faith. Abraham is the father of many nations, and Sarah is famous. She is famous. How many children do you know called Sarah? They carry on her legacy. It's beautiful. But when we look back, we forget to look at the anguish Abraham went through. And yet he is known as the father of nations. And he was someone who didn't go, God, why should I believe you? I refuse. He could have. I'm Abraham. Until I see a son, I'm Abraham. Because frankly, you haven't changed anything. Do you not see me, God? Do you not see what you're doing to me? Don't I deserve a son? I mean, I've been following you so long, and you said I was going to have one. I think I deserve one, don't you? I mean, come on. He gives God another chance. And in this Lent time, it's easy to, to do the things like giving up chocolate or taking up this. Yeah, this Lent time is about this 13 days. It's about acknowledging that God is still God of the living when you are 99 years old and you have no kids and your name is Father of Nations. And it was promised to you about 14, 15 years ago. That's what Lent is. It's acknowledging that leading this life of of following Jesus is not all sunshine and rose gardens. And it was never promised to be sunshine and rose gardens. And when it's not sunshine and rose gardens, it does not mean that God is not with you. It does not mean that we have a failure God or a faraway God or a God who toys with us. We've got a God who teaches us, who loves us, who lets nothing go to waste. Remember that parable when Jesus feeds 4,000 people, 5,000 people. What's always amazing? Oh, they pick up as many baskets as there are picking up baskets. Nothing is wasted. Nothing. And if God cares about bread, how much is he more 
Does he care about us? Does he care about you? In those 13 years, life is tough. Christian life is tough. But the picture we have of God isn't a picture that comes out of our emotional state or what we need and what we don't need. Our picture of God comes from truth. It comes from the Bible. And he is a God who knits us together in our mother's womb. Psalm 139. You are wonderfully made. He is so... That's the aim. Total and utter intimacy. I saw you when you were made in seclusion. I know you better than you know yourself. I know you better than your mum. I know you better than anyone. And I love you. And I will teach you. And my will will be done because I say so. No matter what you are thinking or feeling, whether you're in the 13 years in the middle, or whether for you Isaac's just been born and you can't believe your blessing. God is still the same God. He does not change. And from here, we go to our New Testament reading. Jesus is trying, trying to prepare them. Oh, and he's being a real downer. He's talking about death when they're meeting together. It's real pain. I mean, come on. He's telling them these terrible things, Mark tells us. These awful things are going to happen. Awful. And you can see Jesus, he looks at Peter, and he looks at the rest of the disciples. I don't know what they were looking like. They must have been looking pretty miserable. Because he goes, Peter, get out of my way. Some people in those 13 years gap, when you know that your life is tough, will tell you, no, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. It's sunshine and roses, and it's fine. You've just got to buck up, and it'll be fine. And they're trying their best, like Peter is, to live in it with you, but it's such a hard place, they're trying to make it a little bit more flowery for themselves. And it's only because they love you. And it's only because they want to be that person that makes a difference to your life. They want to make it better, so they speak into your life roses and sunshine. And actually, roses and sunshine don't always belong in a place of despair. And Lent is a place of despair. It's a place of waiting, of grieving, of being taught these special, special things. And so Jesus says, no, Peter, you're thinking of things of now. You're trying to rescue us now from this space and this time. And this, time, this is not for rescuing. This is for sitting in and knowing. This is for knowing and being taught and being known just where we are in these 13-year gap. I'm going to call it 13 years even though it wasn't because it works with Abraham. Don't try and rescue this situation. Be with me. Later he says, stay awake with me. This is tough and it is not for rescuing. Is God there though? Yes. Yeah. Is God with Jesus and in Jesus? Yes. Where did Jesus know that he was going to die? Through God, through the Father. The Father told him. The Father prepares him. The Father knows. Jesus knows. 
He knows. He's already said, I'm going to come back alive. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. Jesus knows that there's a happy ending. But that does not stop him sitting in the rubbish. And sometimes we need to sit in the rubbish. And that is fine. God is still loving. God is still hopeful. God is still with us. God still wants the best for us. But sometimes we sit in sackcloth and ashes. We sit in rubbish. Bring, Jesus brings everyone to him and says, look, if you try and live for now, you're going to lose the later. If you find words coming out of your head like, I deserve, or I should have, you're living for now. Abraham should have had a son. Absolutely, absolutely. Of course he should have. He was promised it. God was going to do it. Don't preempt God. Let yourself grieve. And then when Jesus brings his promises to fruition, we will be ready. We are ready. That's Easter Sunday. That's baptisms and celebration and joy everlasting and hope and peace. That's heavenly. But what's the point of rescuing a bad situation if it means we miss out on the celebration at the end? becomes pointless, becomes rubbish, becomes rubbish. You're trying to rescue a God doesn't need our rescue. It just doesn't need it. We're reading Job at the moment in Bible in one year. God does not need spoken for. He's very capable. Job 39, he takes and he does it all himself and it's incredible. He doesn't need rescued. We go through times of plenty, and we go through times of grief. God is the everlasting God, and he does not change. He does not take his promises from us. But that does not mean that life is good. That means that there is hope in the sorrow. And our job is to sit with each other. And not come with a rainbow, come with a tissue and sit. Sit through the winter, knowing that spring is coming, but sit through the winter. And that is our Lent story. Will we pray? <laughs>